I love New Zealand. I really do. And, and my throat just just kind of uh, understand. I'm 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 very. I got the chest thing. Anybody have the, the get the chest thing? And wonderful when you're traveling and you get the sinus and chest thing. So I'm, my voice is not there, but then again, my heart, my spirit is fired up about what's going to take place. And I, I honestly, I'm not telling you this, but I really love New Zealand. I love Australia. I come over. Uh, probably for the last 20 years uh, that I have been to about every city and so forth. And, and I've been to a lot of church limiteds, uh, but, but, uh, <laughs> but thank God I'm in a church that's unlimited right here. Thank God I found, I, I found the unlimited church with, with, with probably the coolest pastor's name you can have, Pastor Tack Bana. So I'm changing my name to Spike Berto. Spike Berto from now on. I just, Glenn's just not cool enough. I just need to do that. The, uh, the, uh, uh, I, I remember, let, let me just, because I know you'll appreciate this. I, you know, uh, I, I, I would get the all blacks. People would get me the all black shirt, which I like, because I like the black and the white. And I like the all blacks. And I don't know what they wear now. I wear a medium. But, uh, but uh, the, the thing is, is what I do, I wear it over in Australia at times. And, uh, and when I preach, you know, I'm wearing like a shirt here. And I said, let me just kind of get comfortable and open up. And I have an all blacks jersey on. And how many of you know in Australia, it just kind of kills the sermon. But, <laughs> and uh, I just said, who wants to wear green and yellow anyway? The colors are just not nice. And everybody said, amen. Okay. So I really am. Yeah. The all blacks, I mean, when I, when I, I saw, cause I'm a sports guy and you'll hear that today of how much I, I've been, uh, an, I've been in athletics a long time. And uh, now I play racquetball. I've been playing racquetball. Just won a tournament last week uh, uh, playing racquetball. And, and Wilson Sports still sponsors playing stuff. So I stayed active in a sense of doing things like that. And, and um, I'm just blessed to be here. Listen, let me just say a few things. And number one is this, is that your pastor has been, I've been in my church pastor around 21 years, I think, which is, which is, you know, you get 20 years, it will tell you if you've been 20 years in a church, then you have done some things that are right, and you've done some things that uh, have been very positive, and God has built the church, but you have a pastor 27, maybe plus years has been here, and uh, let me, let me help you understand something. In America, I don't know what it is here, but in America, 1,500 ministers leave the ministry every month, every month, 1,500. It's because they're discouraged. It's because, because the, the families are just worn out. And it's just, it's just hard. Every day, you know, you're dealing with, uh, we, we will get a call in the middle of the night, and, and now we have a 15-year-old that's in a hospital that was in a car wreck that's brain dead. And we've got to hold the hand of the mama and pull the plug because she can't do it. And as a pastor, we've got to do that. And then we have to walk in the next day and deal with a marriage that's going to be divorced. And the next day, we have to deal with the finances of the church. And then again, well, I have a wife and I have children. I have to be a father too. And all of this that goes on, how many days? I just, that's a one day for us of what we go through and what we have to deal with. And that's every day. And so when your pastor gets up and, and he is smiling and he has joy because he's never complained, he's never criticized about it, he's never talked about it to you and shared all that stuff. Because we get up and we want to, we realize that, you know what, that's just life, that's just what's going to happen. And when we tell you to pick yourself up, 
then we're telling you we're picking ourselves up too, and we're standing on the Word just like you are. But I'm going to tell you this, for your pastor to be here 27 years and stand up here like he does and still have vision and say, this is going to be the biggest conference we're ever going to have, and we're going to reach our city. We're going to heal our nation. We're going to do this. Thank God you have a pastor like this. You are blessed to have this man as your pastor. Come on, let me hear you all blacks. You got to... God bless you, Pastor. I mean that. I mean that. I mean that. I'm not saying that just for any other reason other than it's true. It's just absolutely true. And everybody said amen. I love, the, I love what you did on this. This is, very, this is very professional and very nice and very good. And, and here's the deal. The only, only question I have about this is this little card right here. And don't know if any of you and everybody has signed this. You need to sign the registration card. Because you need to get to this. And uh, you know what? I, I came all the way from America, not just because I didn't have anything to do. I felt, I felt the heart of your pastor talking about healing the land and really wanted to see God do something. Because I'm kind of at the age where I really don't have time to waste anymore. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to You know, I don't want to talk to people that demotivate me. Uh, you ever know anybody that has a gift of demotivation? Yeah. And, and so I want people that that really, you know, that want to see something happen and really believe for their church and really believe for their nation. And I felt that your pastor has that and is carrying that. And I said, you know what, that's worth my time. I want to come to this. Uh, I'm honored that you would ask. And I'm just saying that what I will share in these meetings is going to be some things that will change your life. Uh, I don't come just to preach messages and preach things. I preach long enough just to preach something. But I'm going to preach what God wants me to preach, but I'm going to help you. It's not going to be a thing only to just get you excited, but it's going to be something that will change your life. And I need you to pray for me to do that, but that's what I want to do. I've come here for one reason. That's not to just preach to you and do that. You'll find better preachers around. You can keep looking for that. I want to help this church. I want to help you. I want to help you go to another level. I want to help, I want to help your people. That's what I really want to do, okay? Now, to do that, to do that, I need all of you to get here, okay? So, I want you to make this a priority. Seriously, I want you to make it a priority. You've got all these people. Has Pastor Russell even been here? Pastor Russell Evans, um, I was back with Russell back in the Adelaide days uh, with, with his dad when his dad was running the church in Adelaide. Russell now has Planet Shakers. I was in the beginning of Planet Shakers for 10 straight years. I preached at Planet Shakers and Really, in a sense, Russell and I really kind of built this thing called Planet Shakers, and I was there with him. Danny Guglamucci was actually Russell's first youth pastor, and Danny was a youth pastor for Russell here, and so all of us three here really have known each other for years. So, so what you have, you have a group of people that know each other. I hadn't seen Danny for a while, so I'm excited about seeing Danny. I was just with Russell. I just dedicated Russell's church last month in Melbourne. And he, uh, Russell just had his church, and uh, I, w- I dedicated his church. And so Russell is absolutely. Di- I'm just saying the, the the three. If I had a conference, then I would just remove me, put Pastor Tack, Pastor Russell, and Pastor Danny, and you would have you would have an all-star lineup. I'm saying this. I'm saying this. When when you put something like this together, you don't miss it. You you just put aside whatever you have to watch, whatever you have to do, whatever your job. Take your little vacation day, whatever you need to do your holiday, and you need to get to this. Nudge your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Go on, nudge your neighbor. Say he's talking to you. <laughs> All right. All right. So I'm gonna see you there. Okay. I'm gonna see you there. Amen. So go on the back. Sign up now. 
There are several materials. I'm not going to talk about them really so much right now, but there are several uh, USBs. And I asked pastor, I said, look, I'm going to bring you things that I've just talked to my church about. Uh, and I'll share it with you tonight. You, listen, tonight, uh, you know, I'm not going to finish today what I want to tell you because you only have a limited amount of time. But tonight, I am going to finish. And I'm never, I'm going to tell you something I haven't really done in a church ever before I'm going to do today. Uh, I just finished, then there was probably more of these my church bought. Uh, out of any series I probably have preached, I just did a thing on healing. And uh, um, I preached on healing. What I did, I, ba- I gave balance to the understanding of healing. Because healing is very complex. And uh, the, the, the reason I have to talk about it is my sister died of ovarian cancer at 33 years of age. I don't understand why. I don't get it. Uh, I've, had, I've had two heart attacks. I've got coronary artery disease from my family uh, I don't know if the people, I don't tell you, there's be some people here that might have coronary artery disease, call it CAD, and uh, where your arteries, uh, my heart's 50 beats a minute. I, my heart's strong as can be because I'm in shape, but my arteries are, are terrible from handed down from my generations, and in my family, people have heart disease in my family. So I've had two heart operations. I've got four stents in my heart right now. So, so if you don't come back to the conference, this may be the last time you see me right now. So you need... <laughs> You say, well, I could have gone, but he died. Okay, look. You... <laughs> so you need to come see me while I'm still alive, all right? <laughs> May not be here again. <laughs> but, but of course, of course, like you and your pastor writing on miracles and so forth and the supernatural is, is I'm believing that coronary artery disease stops in my family with me. It's not going to pass down to my child. Our stuff, it's our cancer is not going to pass down to our children, right? That's not going to happen. So, so I wanted to bring balance. I really did. I wanted to bring balance to the fact that we are told in healing that I don't even have time to explain it, but I'm just saying it was so good. We had lines standing. Our, our church usually didn't do this, but they stood in line doing this because there was so much information that they had to hear over and over again. Because you and I both, it doesn't matter who's here, you're going to get sick. You are going to get sick. Your body is, is passing away. Sorry, God can heal you today, but you can be sick tomorrow. Our bodies are going to be passed away. So I did, I did a three-part message. That's all I had here. I preached on, that. I preached on Pastor, the, uh, the four, four buddies there that, that busted a hole in the roof and because, because the, whole, the whole house was full. And so they, they busted in. They dropped them down, you know, the paralytic. So I preached a, a message on four of a kind beats a full house. And uh, that, that scares me. Some of you know what that means. That, that, and then I basically answered the question, is it God's will to heal? I scripturally will answer that and tell you. And then also, other than not having faith, which people say, well, you don't have enough faith to be healed, there's 17 other hindrances of why we don't get healed. And I laid that out, and it was just, it was something, you get that in the back, that's fine. Now, let, let me tell you, let me show you my family. I think I have a picture of most of my family and tell you who they are. Do we have a picture of that, Gary? Uh, this, this was taken, might have been Easter last year, I think, and uh, I only have one that's missing. All the way to the left is my son-in-law, Michael. He was my senior associate. That's my oldest daughter that's standing there. That would be to my right there. And that's the son, the oldest son-in-law, Joff, I'm holding in front. Zoe's over here. That's their children. That's my oldest child. And then this is the youngest two grandchildren right there. That's my wife, Deborah. And uh, this the little boy here is Christy, the blonde-headed one's my middle daughter, and she's holding, that's Brave, they call him Brave Rider, because uh, they're from L.A., so you've got to have some Hollywood name of something, Brave, and that kid better be brave, because he, he doesn't look, his mom and dad are not that big, so, 
And then that's lyric. There's a little lyric on it, and she's just like a little, little movie star the way she talks all the time. But Christy was a singer at Worth Dying For, uh, worship band. She's an incredible singer. Then our daughter-in-law to the right there, that's uh, Lindsay. And then my son, Micah. Uh, and so, who's not in between my wife and blonde-headed girl, Christy, middle daughters, Jeremy, he wasn't in the picture. Jeremy is a, he's a pastor down at Fearless Church in L.A. They have a club they open up, and so he's a pastor. And then uh, also to the, to the, all the way this side, Michael and Kelly are now missionaries. They want to reach the nations. My son over here will probably be the one to eventually take our church. He has about 900 in his youth ministry right now. And uh, is just is just has an, has an anointing on him. And probably the greatest thing that I can tell you is not going to be a, you're going to be so enamored that wow, what a great speaker. We've heard a lot of great speakers. I, the thing that I'm proud of is that my whole family is saved. My whole family's going to heaven. My whole family's in the ministry. You know, that's the thing that I'm proud of. My wife, my wife is an intercessory prayer lady that has probably one of the biggest prayer meetings in the world. Every Monday night, she has over 1,000 people that meet in our church. You can stream it. If you go to our time at 645 West Coast time, you can watch the prayer meeting uh, online. You just go to house, the house website, Modesto, and she, she has our prayer meeting. And the prayer meeting is one of the most powerful things that we do. She, she does intercessory prayer, and she's the most spiritual person that I know. She's the most spiritual person I know. How many know you, how many married an opposite? Because my wife and I are really opposite. How many married an opposite? How I many your wife is cold and you're hot? I mean, you know that kind of thing? Yeah, total opposite. You know, I, I, I get there on time. I'm always on, I, I'm kind of get there on time. My wife is 30 minutes late, but in her mind, she's on time. You know, but you know, she's like that. And people sometimes ask me, says, where's your wife? I said, she's like Jesus. I said, what do you mean? I said, she's coming soon. I don't know the, I don't know the, I don't know the day. I don't know the hour. I, I know she's coming. <laughs> uh, well, you know, and I thank God that made a woman out of a rib. Come on, man. He made a woman out of a rib. Well, you know why? There's a good reason for that. Cause all men love ribs. Amen. All right. So I was, uh, now I'm going to do something. Pastor asked me uh, to do. And I have, I have only done this in my church. I've done this in my church. I've never done it any place in the world uh, where I've done a part one and part two of my testimony. Uh, I am a word preacher, meaning this, is that I, I, I dissect this. I'll explain this to you. I teach pastors how to read the Bible in a sense that I just throw them a Bible and says, start reading and tell me what it says. And I said, I'll tell you what it says. I'll, tell, I'll explain it to you how you preach this and how do you explain this to people. Because in Nehemiah 8.8, 8, it says they read from the book of the law and they made common sense out of the book and they helped the people to understand. So my job is to take something that's been thousands of years old and then convert it into our today's vernacular and help you understand what it is. And that's what, that's what I love doing. I love doing that and I love teaching. And I love that we're going to have a leaders meeting. We'll talk about this. But today is going to be a little bit different. And, 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 and I was asked to do this last Easter in, in our church, and Easter's coming up again, but I, mean, I did last Easter, and they said, Pastor, why don't you share your testimony of part one and a part two of your, your testimony? I said, well, on Easter? I said, yeah. And so I basically said, well, if I do this, then I will call it the second greatest story ever told. <laughs> Jesus is the best story that's ever been told, but mine's second. I'm sorry, mine is second. And you know what? Yours is second when you start telling it. You know what I'm saying? Yours is the second greatest story ever told. 
So I said, let me preach the second greatest story ever told. And what I did, I preached one part of it. And, I, and every time I've ever done my testimony, I try to get it all in, but no one's ever heard all of it. And so I said, Pastor, I said, if, and so what I did, I preached one part of it. And then the next week after Easter, I preached part two of finishing up the testimony. And I had, Pastor, I had probably over the year before over a thousand more people that came the, the, the week after Easter than they did the year before week after Easter. And I realized people really wanted to hear the, the last part of this story. So what I'm saying tonight, you'll hear part two. Let me just tell you this, and I will guarantee you this. Money back, we'll give your tithes back if you don't like this. Okay, but... <laughs> We'll, we'll give you 40% instead of 30% back from the government. It will be the funniest thing you will ever see in your life tonight, okay? I'm just telling you. I, the, the other side of me is crazy, okay? So I have, a, I have a word, serious side. The other side of me is just I have not changed much than the way I was raised, which was crazy, okay? So tonight, uh, I'm going to explain to you and move it into, I'm going to have to stop. I'm going to stop it when I got saved. But now I will get into tonight part two of this where I get filled with the Spirit and where I went into a Pentecostal meeting for the first time being in the world all my life, and I'm going to explain it to you the way I saw it, a Pentecostal meeting, okay? So it's going to be something where if you've never really laughed a whole lot in church or whatever, you are. But number two, it's going to end with basically what pastor's book is about. It's going to end with a supernatural close. And so you need to be ready for this. And look, what I'm saying is you, you need to invite everybody that thinks church is boring. Anybody that thinks church is not any fun, you need to get them to the Church Unlimited because we're going to bust the doors off of it, and we're going to see God move do something great tonight. And I'm going to have to wear my tennis, I'm gonna wear tennis shoes because in this, I have to move around. So I'll be using the whole stage because I'm, I'm a drama queen. Because you know, you know, so, I got to, <laughs> that's not the reason. And that didn't even sound right. I'm sorry, that didn't even sound right. But you know what I'm saying? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to, I have to act it out. So I will be acting out what took place. And so that's all I'm saying is tonight, what time service, Pastor? What time does it start? So you need to be here at 545 to get a seat because we're just going to be standing room only. It starts at six. So you need to get here early. Everybody said, amen. I'm just telling you. Let me just, I'd say one more thing pertaining to that. If you don't come, let me just say, if you don't come, you're going to get a call and say, you should have been there. I'm just saying, you think it's going to be that good. You think you're that, you, no, no, I, I don't think I'm that good. I'm just saying, I just know that tonight is going to be one of those nights that I didn't come all the way here just for us to have a kind of gathering. Let's just get together, have a meeting, clap, and say, nice to see you, and let's go next week. God wants to do something, and there's a purpose for us coming together, and tonight is going to ignite this entire, this entire week. Amen? So I'm going to share with you in a few minutes here uh, the second greatest story ever told. And I don't have that much time to share this, so I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, the Scripture says in, in, in the Corinthians uh, uh, 5, 17, let me just read this just to, for us to go over here. We'll put this up here. It said, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. See, I, I actually believe maybe you can call it old school or whatever. I believe when somebody gets saved, they become different. 
I believe when they truly get saved, you don't go back and do what you did before. If you used to curse a lot, you don't curse anymore. You used to drink a lot, you don't drink anymore. You used to roll and sleep around, look at pride. You don't do that anymore. Everybody said amen. There's a change in your life. See, I don't understand people that say they got saved and still are walking the same way they've been walking. It doesn't make any sense to me because the Bible says there's a new life and the old one is gone And it says, and all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, restoring meaning to harmony and agreement. So God talks about this. So, Father, I pray that today that we'll have an understanding that anybody can get saved. And, Lord, help me to share this part, one, and share just a little bit of this today in Jesus' name. Amen. I know I don't have much time, so I'm going to get as much as I can in 15 minutes. Uh, I was raised in South Louisiana, in South Louisiana, and I say Louisiana because instead of Louisiana, because if you're Cajun, I'm a real Cajun. Berto is a French name, Cajun, from the swamps of Louisiana, and, um, and so I was raised as a kid, uh, sent to Catholic school, Catholic church. Anybody raised Catholic here? And I brought up Catholic, a couple of Catholics, and uh, and, uh, and, and, and that, that was it. My parents would just send us to Catholic school because everybody in South Louisiana was Catholic. Also, also, we had this thing called Mardi Gras, not Mardi Gras Sydney, but Mardi Gras in New Orleans, Louisiana, which is a party, is a major party. So as a child, I grew up in watching my relatives get drunk, watching my relatives pass out, watching my relatives curse each other out when they get drunk, watching them dance the music, watching them eat, watching my, this was my family. No one in my family was saved. No one knew the Lord. I've never seen a Bible. Christmas or Easter was never about the Lord. It wasn't about anything other than getting together and partying. That was what I saw growing up. I didn't know anything about accepting Jesus. I had never heard amazing grace. I didn't know anything at all. So as I was growing up, and then I grew up in that day there where your, your parents actually believed in spanking. Anybody remember the days of spanking? Anybody remember that back in the day, it wasn't only your parents could spank you, anybody could spank you. You remember that? Where if you just cut up in a supermarket or a grocery store, if somebody spanked you for misbehaving, your mama would thank them. Thank you for beating my kid. He does need a beating. He does. Thank you. I didn't know a belt was a piece of clothing till I was 16 years old. I thought it was a weapon of mass destruction. And pow! Use it on prisoners or something. My dad would have been on America's Most Wanted uh, today because of the way they treated. So we we had we grew up with that that kind of feeling there that 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 uh, and so there was a lot of discipline and you just listen to me. Why? Just because I said so. No explanation. We didn't have timeout. What is a timeout today? Johnny, timeout. Go, go sit, timeout. My daddy believed in knockout. Knockout. <laughs> black, you gonna, we're going to block you out. You're going to miss this week because you're going to be knocked out. That's what my, come on. And so here I grew up in this, and, and, and the big things in South Louisiana were several things. Number one, it was football, American football, huge in the South. And I, I'm, I'm, I live uh, right there by a school. I was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Raised in Baton Rouge is where LSU, Louisiana State University, LSU is. That's where that university, a big, big university, great football team. Football stadium holds 105,000 people, just the football stadium, 105,000 just for university. 
And so football was big, watching it all the time. My dad watched it and and all this. My dad was a World War II guy, which he didn't say much, didn't build you up much or anything like that. And then also what happened is when I was in the sixth, seventh grade, the Beatles now got big and all of a sudden Rolling Stones and all these people came in. And so everybody started playing the guitar. So I'm playing football in the fourth grade because I wanted to try to get approval of my dad. And you can see size-wise, I'm not that big. But what I possessed something that was really, that most kids didn't possess, and that, I, that and I, was really, I was really fast. I don't know if I was fast, but I was scared. I didn't want him to hurt me, so I'd run fast. And so, but I was very fast. And so I started in the fourth grade, and I was playing football. And then all of a sudden, in junior high school, I started playing the guitar, because everybody started playing the guitar, all, all it got real big. And I got into Jimi Hendrix and got into Cream and Deep Purple and, and, and Steppenwolf and Iron Maiden. And, uh, and I, I, some of you haven't worn a lava lamp, I know, right now. You're ready to, you're ready to freak. And so I got even a Jimi Hendrix fro. I had a fro like a black guy. And I, I was wearing a fro like Hendrix playing Purple Haze and doing all this stuff, playing the guitar behind my neck because he could do that and learn how to pick it with your teeth because I saw him do that. And so I was playing Hendrix stuff and then I'm playing football. Well, didn't know anything about God, didn't know anything about getting saved or anything like this. And what happened is going into my senior year, my dad lost his job. And like every parent, you want your kids to go to university. My dad wanted us to go to university, but he didn't have any money to do it. We didn't have any money because he, he, had, he, had, been, he, he had been let go of his job. So the only way you can get in the U.S. and the United States, if you're a good athlete in, in, in a sport, then they can give you a scholarship. And uh, so it, all these universities you would see on TV, they can, they can offer maybe 100 scholarships, uh, especially in football. Now, a scholarship would mean that they come to you as a high school senior and they say they, they actually kind of, I mean, they're all competing to get you if, you if you're really good. And they're all telling you, hey, we give you this, we give you this and come to our school. And on a scholarship, they pay for all of your education for four years. They pay all of your, all your tuition, they pay all of your housing, your dormitory, pay all of your food bills in the cafeteria, you get your food ticket, pay for uh, uh, all your books, all your notebooks, anything you need, that is your scholarship. It covers everything and you don't pay a dime if you get a full scholarship and if you're a great athlete in America. So the only way I could get to, to university was to my senior year to do something. Now, we were the Broadmoor Buccaneers, the Bucks. And the Broadmoor Buccaneers, we had an actual ship cannon, a big cannon at the end zone of our field that every time you scored a touchdown, the cannon would just explode. You know, they'd shoot a real cannon. Well, I was averaging at least two touchdowns a game, so the cannon would shoot at least two times. So they started putting in the paper, boom, boom, Berto scores again. Boom, boom, Berto Huh? Pretty cool, huh? So, <laughs> so I, I mean, there are paper clippings of boom, boom. And we'd have in high school 17,000, 20,000 people that come watch us in a high school football game. That's how many would come to America. And that boom, boom, Berto, does, and it was all in the paper. So what happened because of that, I ended up being one of five of the best players in the state of Louisiana. And then now all these universities want me to go play college football for them. So now I have scholarship offers. 
So, so I don't know where to go. I don't know which college to go to. And I don't know if you've heard a guy named Terry Bradshaw, but Terry Bradshaw won the, won the uh, Super Bowl four times. Terry Bradshaw was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when I was in high school. He was just drafted by the Pittsburgh Steelers as the number one draft choice, and he's on the cover of the Sports Illustrated. And I'm looking at the Sports Illustrated for the Sportsman's Bible, and as I'm looking at it, I look at Terry Bradshaw, and he's from our state of Louisiana, and he's playing at a school called Louisiana Tech, and I'm looking at that, and I didn't want to go to LSU because I wanted to get out of my city. I didn't want to do that. And all of a sudden, two hours later, the guy on the cover calls me. Terry Bradshaw calls me me at my house. And I pick up the phone and I said, hello. He said, it's Boom Boom there. I said, yeah, this is Boom Boom. He goes, this is Terry Bradshaw. And I said, dad, it's the guy on the cover of the book. He said, that's Terry Bradshaw. I said, yeah. He said, let me talk to him. I said, he didn't ask for you. <laughs> dad, uh, Terry, what do you like? He said, I understand you're a good ball player. I want you to come up and come to Louisiana Tech and come meet me. I said, yes, sir. When you want me to come? I said, this is the guy on the Sports Illustrated. I want to go. Well, I go up there and ended up making a short. I signed a four-year scholarship there, and I signed there. I'm an old heathen. I'm an old backslidden Catholic. I don't know I'm not going to church at all. I don't know anything about God. I don't have a Bible, never read a Bible. See, I represent that empty seat around you. I'm representing the seat that no one's sitting. I'm representing that family member. Anybody have a family member that you say it'd take a miracle to get saved? Anybody know somebody or a friend like that? Yeah, we all have that, don't we? And, and that's who I am. I'm that person that's not in church today. I'm that person that I don't care how many people you bring in for your conference and who comes to speak and what your Easter thing is. I'm not going because I don't like church. I don't think it's a big deal. I think you're boring anyway. I think all this is boring. I, got, I have better music in the world. I've got better things in the world. I don't want to hear what I can't do. So why do I want to come here with you? See, you're going to have to come out, and you're going to have to let me know that Christ is real out in the world, not just real in the church. You understand? Because, see, we're not really having church right now. Do you understand? We're not having church. What do you mean not having church? Because I'm the only one working. You're not doing anything. You're just sitting there looking at me. I'm the one. Where, okay, so we don't, we're not swatting devils away right now and all oh, these things. The devils, no, no, no. Walk out the exit. Now find out if you're going to have a war. There's no war right now because we're not fighting right now. All you're doing is getting some petrol and you're getting filled up so you can turn your power on and use it when you leave. Got to understand what church is about. It's just you getting filled up. That's all it is. So here I am, I, I, I'm up there, I sign a scholarship, and I, don't have, I know nothing about God. Now, this is God's setup. Also, there was a Pentecostal preacher's kid named Denny Duran, who also signed a scholarship, who was supposed to go to Bible school, but he's now going to go to, he's going to play football. Well, I was known, I was one of the big name players, like people knew Boom Boom Berto or whatever. So when I go there, my first day, this guy, Denny Duran, who was a preacher, 18 years old, he's already preaching around the country in Pentecostal churches. He wants to meet Boom Boom. So he comes up to me. Here's the actual conversation. Uh, are you Boom Boom? I said, yeah. I said, who are you? He said, I'm Denny Duran. I said, nice to meet you, Denny. I said, good. And he looks at me and goes, are you saved? I said, from what? <laughs> I, I didn't, you know, I, didn't, I never heard that before. I didn't know what he's talking about. He said, are you a Christian? I said, I went to Catholic church. He said, you born again? I'm an American Catholic. I didn't know what to say. I didn't, you know, I, what else do I say? I went to, I went to confession. I, I don't know. 
He said, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart the Lord Jesus to be saved, are you a preacher? Yep, I'm a preacher. I said, well, I'm not. I'm a Mardi Gras guy. I go to Mardi Gras, I party is what I do. And so all of a sudden, watch this, God lays me on his heart. Some of you, God's got to lay somebody on your heart and lay some of these people that you never thought would get saved and their life would never change. When you look at me, I'm that guy. I'm that guy that God pulled a pall on and knocked me off my high horse and changed my life and put me now around the world to tell stories to people on how if he can do it to me, he can do it for you. He can do it for your friend. We're amazed some of you are even here. Look at the miracle of you sitting right here. Who thought you would even be in church? But look what God has done. Hallelujah. Look what he's done. Amen. So here I am. Here I am. He comes and all of a sudden he wants to now... He's wanting me to come to his little Bible study he started. He only has two people going. And now I'm in charge of the parties of the, of the, of the football team. So I'm the party guy. I'm the total opposite extreme. He's coming down to witness to me, and I'd go down and tell him dirty jokes to get him just upset because he was a Christian, and I didn't want him bothering me. And he wasn't bothering me at all. He'd come share with me. We lived together on the same floor. You'd eat together. It's not like I didn't see this guy. We played together. I see him all the time. He was a for real, genuine believer. He was not a wishy-washy. If I saw him twist or I saw him do some things that I would do in the world, immediately that would tell me what you have is no good. I don't want any part of that fake Christian stuff. I might as well stay in the world. See, that's the point. If you and I don't live a separate life, the world has no goal, has nothing to look to unless we do that. You understand? It's important. I'm just saying from this side in the world, it's important for you and I. Let's not be ashamed to praise God. Let's not be ashamed to pray. Let's not be ashamed to lift our hands. Let's not be ashamed of that because the world wants to see a difference. They're tired of seeing what they're used to. They want to change and we are the ones that give them the change. Amen? All right. So here it is. He just would not change. Now here's a guy to say, how many of you were raised in this all your life? You were saved when you were you're speaking in tongues before you spoke English. You know what I'm saying? Five, Denny was saved when he was five years of age. Five. What can God, what is his testimony? What, what, what can God deliver you of at five? I was saved at five. I was, I was hooked on a quart of Kool-Aid and a pack of M&Ms. I had to get free from that candy. I mean, what, what does God deliver you? So, so here, here, here's Denny squeaky clean all of his life, and here me, Mardi Gras, partier, and here we, all, we clash. And so I'm looking for, is this guy really for real? Because if not, I'm going to make sure I'm a turncoat him. I'm, I'm going to make sure he can turn. And that's what people in the world want to find out, how real we really are. He starts a Bible study, and he starts doing this. Well, of course, I'm not going to it. He gets up in our football meetings, and he's announcing for people to come. And, then, uh, and I get up after him and announce the party. I mean, that's how, that's how opposite we were. At the end of the year, he ends up posting the top 10 most unsavable list at school on his dormitory door. Top 10 most unsavable. Guess who number one was? Boom, boom. Put me number one as the most unsavable on the football team. Well, I got mad at him for that and pulled it down there. So who you think you are? And then he walks in my room, knocks on my door at the end of our freshman year. And he says, I said, who is it? Denny. I said, Denny, I don't want to talk to you. He goes, I got to tell you something real important. It's all true. You can't make this up. That's what I'm saying. Tonight is going to be, it's going to be crazy. He walks in my room and he looks up. I said, what are you looking at? He says, the rapture. <laughs> He's trying everything. He's trying everything. 
And now I never heard the word rapture, so I thought he said the rafter. I said, so, <laughs> see, I got rafters up there. He goes, no, not the rafter. He said the rapture. And I made the mistake of asking a Pentecostal preacher what the rapture was. So I said, what's the rapture? And he gets in a stance like this. Here's the rapture. Well, that's when Jesus will appear in the clouds. And in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus will appear. And, <laughs> and those will be caught up with him. And those that are not are going to burn in hell. And fire, fire, fire is going to consume them. Do you want to go to heaven with us in the rapture? I'm like, I said, well, God, Denny, I, I'd like to go, but I promised my, my mom I'd finish school first. So <laughs> can I go after I graduate? Because I need to get a degree. But if you go, and I don't think I'll go this year. And so, so I'm, I'm like, <laughs> we, get, <laughs> we get back, and in, in, in the next year we come back for, for, for June, uh, sophomore year. Well, I was kind of thinking he might have gone during the summer. I wanted to go see if he came. I didn't know. He believed it so much. So I go back and go knock on his door, and I look at him. Hey, you got left behind, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you, you got left behind. I'm leaving so many things out. You're going to have to hear it tonight. Okay. But let me just tell you, I got, I got a couple minutes here. What happened was three years, three years he continued with me. On a Tuesday night, I had a dream and the dream was I went to hell. And I really did. I went to hell, and I stood before God, uh, and I died because we had a thing that was called Splash Day, and I had 20 football players go to get this big drunk thing at the beach. And, and what happened is, is in my dream, we crashed and hit a tree, caught on fire, and I died. And I remember standing before God in this big light, and I see a shadow. And this is real as right now, you and I talking. And I'm looking, saying I made it to heaven. And I heard the voice say, who are you? I'm Boom Boom. He said, I don't know Boom Boom. I'm Glenberto. I don't know Glenberto. I said, do you know Denny Duran? I know him. I don't know you. I said, what do you mean you don't know me? He said, I don't know who you are. You didn't listen to me. Watch. I said, what do you mean? Now, all of us would say, God, if you would have said something to me, I would have listened to you. Surely I'd have listened to you. He said, but you didn't talk to me. He says, yes, I did. He said, I talked to you through a guy named Denny Duran. Did he not say God's word says? That's me talking. Anytime my word is spoken, no matter what the voice is, that's me talking to you and that's me speaking to you and you didn't listen. I said, are you saying that I'm not going? He said, depart. Immediately what happened is like a trap door opened up. I went from utter light. It opened like this and I went to utter darkness. I remember falling and I'm waving my hand in front of my face trying to see any movement. I see absolute black. And then I feel this intense heat that's coming, and my, my flesh starts melting. And as my flesh is melting, I felt like before I died, all of a sudden I woke up in my bed, and then I realized it was a dream, but then I realized I was sopping wet with sweat, and I was hot. And I threw the sheet off, and I went to the mirror, and I looked at my face, and I had heat burns on my face, and I had sweat, and my hair was sweat, and I looked in the mirror, and I said, there is a hell, and I'm going there for the first time in my life. I'm going there. And it still wasn't enough for me to get saved. You'd think it would be. And the next day, Denny had a Bible study. And my friend said, come one time and I'll never ask you again if you just come once. How many of you know it only takes one time? Who would think maybe tonight you bring somebody one time? Could be the first time. They don't even like church. Don't even like where you're going. But 
tonight would be a, a one time because they relate to what I'll say tonight. And you bring them this one time because it only takes that one time. And what happened is I remember I walked out of, that, out of that Bible study and I went one time just so they'd leave me alone. And I walked into my dormitory room because I didn't get saved in a church. I walked into my football dormitory room and Denny followed me in the room because he was an old Pentecostal and knew what conviction was. And he just stood there. And I looked at him and I'm mad because I don't know what's happening to me, but what it was was conviction. And I said, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, I don't like hypocrites. Do you realize the world doesn't like hypocrites either? The world would rather you live a Christian life than for you to say you're Christian and live like a phony life. They would rather you live, I'm just telling you the way they think. And I said, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, if I live for God, I'm going to live for God. I said, number two. I said, I don't know what my parents are going to say because they don't understand this at all. I said, number three, I don't want to be called the names I've been calling you. I said, I'm going to be called these names. I said, but number four is I don't want to go to hell. I said, tell me the truth, Denny. I said, if what you've been telling me, is there really abundant life attached to this like you said? Is this really the best decision I could ever make? He didn't hesitate. He said, boom, boom, the best decision you could ever make is to accept the Lord and let him come in your life. He said, because you're per- you don't have a purpose anymore. You're just existing in life. And it was like God took me by the back of my neck and threw me on my, my carpet that I took from the cafeteria. And, I, and I'm kneeling on my, <laughs> my stolen carpet. <laughs> I took it back after I saved church. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm kneeling down on this carpet, and he gets all excited. He's going to do it. I'm like, well, close the door. Don't, don't tell anybody. And he goes, go ahead and pray. And I said, okay, how Father, who art in heaven, hallelujah. You know another prayer? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. I remember my kid prayers, you know. He said, just say this. He said, just ask him to come in your life. 21 years of my life, April 30th, Hutchison dorm, room 201. I'm kneeling down. And I said, Lord, come into my life and change me. And I felt, I felt for the first time, I felt stuff lift off of me, 20-something years of stuff I didn't know that was even there. Um, my life at that point from the day I'm standing right here in front of you, I hadn't said a curse word in 40 years. I haven't had a drink in 40 years. Um, haven't had a need to backslide. Don't have a need to go back. Um, I was absolutely like the scripture said, I was changed. And what I'm telling you is that when you get to that point and you're saying, you know what, I'm just not going to play church, Jesus really meets a need in me beyond just a message to go to on a Sunday. He really is who I am and what I need in my life. And that change really takes place. It doesn't matter what the devil does, you know that. You can't go back because now you've tasted and it's just so good. And my challenge to you, and I, I need to go to the other church, but I'm going to finish tonight, and I'm going to have Pastor come up and, and close this too and help me with this so I can leave and go talk to them, and I'll be at the next service. I want to tell you that this is very serious when you make your commitment. The question is with us, us today, are you really all in? Are you 100% in this thing? Because I'm telling you on my side, I have never regretted one moment of my total commitment to the Lord. It has been the best decision I have ever made, and it's going to be the best decision you make. I want you to stand to your feet. Pastor, you come on up and help me. Amen.
Amen. Now, now tonight, go ahead. Tonight, tonight, it's, it's going to be, it's going to go crazy. I'm just saying, we, we're going to have standing room only, but listen, I want you, Pastor, I, I, what, what I want you to do, I want you to pray because you've got some sweet night, you've got some wonderful people here, some very spiritual people here, but, but I'm believing for total commitment of any area in their lives where, where we let go of. It's time for God to have everything in us. And it will be the best decision. Church, I love you. I came just to love on you and, and to say, you know what? If you want to heal our land, how about let's start with this land called me. Heal me. And let's break some things in our own life. Amen? Amen. God bless you, Pastor. I'll, I'll, see, I'll see you tonight. Well, let's see. Let's see. You got all right. Okay. I went by so fast. Yeah, okay, thanks. You have some water in the car? Okay, good.